This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to the radio program, Warning. Today I have a very special guest, a a cousin of mine. Uh, First time I met her. And her name is Cindy Tuber. Now, what we have in common is you've heard of Letta Hansen on this program before, who was my grandmother, missionary out of China, went through a concentration camp in World War II. But uh, her father was Reverend A.C. Tuber. Uh, again, Letta Hansen, her maiden name was Tuber. So my great-grandfather was Reverend A.C. Tuber. And tremendous man of God, uh, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the year 1907 in Seattle, Washington. He spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. This manifestation of the Spirit was an abiding experience throughout the rest of his life. His testimony, uh, uh, how it had truly revolutionized his life after receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. On at least one occasion, he was heard to speak in Arabic. And that's tremendous. I remember my father uh, living in China, first language Mandarin. Uh, Several times in his life, he had pastored eight different churches, and as people were praying around the altar, he heard several times a man speak in Mandarin Chinese. So ladies and gentlemen, this is... Uh, this is real, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There was an Arab gentleman in the room at the time who understood the language, and many received the baptism of the Holy Spirit through the ministry of this great-grandfather, Reverend A.C. Tuber. Once again, Letta Hansen's father. So, Cindy, that's the connection. Yes, it is. And I want to welcome you to the radio program Warning. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, it's good having you. Uh, let me ask you a question. When were you born again? I was born again when I was in the fifth grade. Okay. I had um, a church that I had been attending with some of the children from my community, and the bus would come pick us up every Sunday and take us to a Bethel Baptist church. Okay. And, oh, after attending a year or two, they asked who wanted to get baptized. And so I raised my hand, and then maybe a few other of my posse did there. So there was like five or six children deciding to get baptized. And I remember um, it was around Easter time, because I had a new dress for the occasion. It was supposed to be an Easter dress. And as we were all playing outside before we were going to get dipped into this great big you know, tub of water, Baptist love, they 
their baptism. So yes, it's a yes. full immersion in this big bathtub at the top of the stage. Okay. And um, But the head pastor came out and lined us up. He said, all right, kids, how many of you here believe in God? He raised our hand. How many of you here believe in Jesus Christ? We raised our hand. How do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? We raised our hand. And then he asked us, do you believe God raised him from the dead? And as sure as I'm sitting here today, I remember closing my eyes and seeing him get up. And then I raised my hand. And then later they took me up front and put me in this big tub of water. And all I kept thinking is I'm getting my dress wet. And, um, but I, it, so the mo- moment of water was not the moment I got born again. The moment I got born again is when that pastor said, do you believe that God brought him from the dead, got him up from the dead? And that was my moment. Amen. Now you have traveled in different nations. Yes, I have. Even in research to write a book. But uh, you went to Nepal four different times as a missionary. Yes. So uh, uh, what inspired you to go to Nepal? It was a very interesting time in my life. It was a very, very low point in my life where I had gone through a divorce. My child has chose to stay with his father, and I was forced to live moving with my father. And my father and I don't always get along well. And I'd moved out at 19, and I was in my 50s before I ever went back. Okay. Now, during this time, I got depressed. And I was so depressed I couldn't work for a while, which I've worked since I was 14 all my life. So I've never not worked. So this was a huge deal that I wasn't going to school and working. So as it would have it, um, at my lowest point, somebody offered me to travel to Nepal and teach English at an orphanage. Wow. Wow. And having no money, not working, somehow it all came together and I went for two months. Good. And while I was there, it changed my heart. It took all my eyes off myself, which is what depression is, and put it to serve and help these others. And I fell in love with the people, went back again and reunited. I went there, taught English. I have churches that I would preach at and teach at. And the next two times I went... I went to a village and brought um, school supplies, but that's another more another part of the story. Well, I know our heritage, like the Hansons, just about all of my uh, relatives are missionaries, pastors, evangelists, tubers, great heritage too. Uh, they had a lot of children. What was it, nine or ten? Most of them were born again and uh, served the Lord, but your, your father was not. Nope. But uh, I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this, you can do anything God wants you to do. There are new beginnings. Yes, yes. And uh, David, King David, had done some horrific sins, yet he truly repented. And instead of King David uh, being executed, premeditated adultery and murder, uh, God forgave him and used him tremendously. So what I'm trying to say is God can use you too. She, she was honest enough to say she had been divorced, and, and many of you might have been divorced. And maybe it, uh, it was uh, under a circumstance that was not your fault. But let me tell you, there is life after divorce because God doesn't hold anything against us when we repent. Now there's a new beginning. Now we have another destiny. And so you have a destiny out there if you're listening to me right now. There is a destiny 
And, and I know the person that inspired you uh, was our cousin. Yes, it was. Now, I won't mention her name. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, because of what she does. But uh, uh, let me tell you something. Uh, uh, never think that uh, friends or relatives can't give you a word. Listen and see if that word is from the Holy Spirit. Now, again, Nepal, four times. That's not that easy of a place to live. No. So you want to tell us a little bit about that? And then I, I know that uh, you were inspired to bring books and, and school supplies to Gatling. And Bibles, yes. And Bibles, mm-hmm. which, which uh, is a small village near the, the border of Tibet in the Himalayan uh, Mount region. Yes. Why don't you tell us about that? There was a brother and sister at the orphanage that I met on my first visit. And there was a lot of children I got close to, but there was a, a girl in particular, Rebecca. And when I came back the second time, we rekindled our friendship and um, we got closer. I spent a lot of time with just her. And at that, whenever I've gone, I've always brought supplies, school supplies, um, English supplies. I teach English, um, Bibles, anything that I can bring. And this trip, I didn't have as much, so I decided just to focus on these two people instead of trying to take care of 50. And so I sort of adopted them, brought them just everything that they needed, took care of their needs, brought them new sheets and pillowcases and um, new pillows with pillowcases. That was something that nobody else had. Anyway, the third, while I was there, I met their older brother and he said, we talked about why they were here in Camp Mandu and not up in their village. And he said there were no schools in his village. And I was surprised. I also know that a lot of child trafficking comes through Nepal, through these small villages where there's no education, no way to know what's happening in the rest of the world. Even five, six years ago, internet wasn't even available up there. Wow. So um, he said, why don't you consider teaching up in my village? Well, that was a big request and something not quite what I had in mind at that time. So the next time I went to visit, I said, I will go up to his village. And it's only 50 miles from Kathmandu. 10 hours of a Jeep to get there. Wow. 50 miles and 10 hours in a Jeep. And have you ever seen those, oh, anything where a car is going along the side of a mountain and it's straight down and you look over and there's no guardrail? I've been on those type of roads. And uh, you'd better have some faith. Oh, yes. Yes. I told my son, it's like when we went to Disneyland and you get into those rides that shake you all over and you saw these things flashing by you. Well, this is the real thing, but there's no (laughs) seatbelts. Yeah, and I've looked in the bottom where uh, many (sighs) trucks and cars have landed. Yes. I spoke in tongues a great deal on that trip. So when I got there the first time, and that was... Uh, two years ago, I brought school supplies for their young kids, for their kindergarten. And I spent time with this group and I was able to go in and teach English. Um, We got to talk a lot about God because up there, they're all Buddhists, but they don't recognize Buddha as God. So they're very hungry to know about Jesus. Sure. Very interested to know about. Tell me about Jesus. Wonderful. And after that visit... Um, well, when I was up there and I asked to the teacher who was teaching this preschool kindergarten class, it had about 50 students, or maybe 30, I could be exaggerating a little bit. I said, where are your books? And she said, oh, yes, yes, ma'am, we have books. We have three of them. That started my campaign to deliver a library. The next year I came up 
And I had friends and family donate enough money that I was able to buy $1,000 worth of books in Kathmandu and then deliver 10 boxes up to this village. Wow. It was it was the it was very incredibly difficult to get all these books out there. You know, I would have loved to see their faces. I bet you they were so excited. Maybe some of them cried. Actually, it took a long time. I was there for a few days before the school. The school was shut down when I got there. I was a little bit shocked because nobody had mentioned this before I came. And um, the man at the guest house said, you know, the school shut down, ma'am. Your school shut down. Well, you can give me the books. I'll take care of them. But school's not going to open. And I said, well, I think with God, all things are possible. If he wants, he can have the school open tomorrow. And that nice man from the guest house or one of the books who just sighed, mumbled and walked away. The next morning, I'm walking with my adopted daughter, Rebecca, and this is her village. And all of a sudden, I see all these school children dressed up and walking to school. And I said, Rebecca, what's going on? She goes, oh, mom, mommy, I forgot to tell you. My dad, he, he was away when you got here, and he's the village, head of our village. And he found out the school was closed. He called the principal and told him to open the school. Wow. The school was open the next day. Wow. I think that man that get at the guest house might have got born again after that. I don't know. We talked about it plenty. <laughs> tremendous. Tremendous. Four different times going to Nepal. What was the first year? The first year was right after the earthquake. And when I showed up there, I was in major culture shock because the buildings were all tumbled around me. And um, they were also doing work with the sewer system so that the streets were all dug up and there's these huge, it just looked like a war zone. Yeah. When I got there, it looked like a war zone. Wow. And that was so overwhelming just to see the cows that wandered around and the chickens and the goats and the ducks. But the people were the kindest and sweetest people I had ever met. My goodness. When they say namaste, namaste, they mean it. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. They're just, they've asked me since I'm a woman traveling alone, Cindy, were you ever afraid? And I said, never of the people, but I was afraid of the monkeys and the dogs. Wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, monkeys can be aggressive. Yeah, you got to carry a stick. Just got to carry a stick. I, I remember, uh, you know, I raised my daughters all over the world, but... Uh, uh, once in a Nairobi park, uh, it's it's known for, and this was in uh, Westlands, and it was, but it's known for the monkeys. And you better, uh, if you're going to have candy and gum, you better hold tight. Oh yes, yes, yes. Those monkeys would come out of the, literally pull them out of my. And my daughters at that time were little girls. They would cry as a monkey would grab their candy or gum and <laughs> yes. and run back up the tree and. But yeah, you got to be careful. I saw a little girl having a power struggle with the monkey. She had a, something in her hand. The monkey tried to grab it. And the little girl, they were having a power struggle. And the monkey went out and slapped her face. Wow. Yeah. And the girl, it was, that was pretty traumatic. Yeah. And, and, and again, sometimes these monkeys can, can uh, carry disease. You, you don't want them to scratch and bite you. No, no. We, I got, yep. Now back to, you said, were they happy to receive the books? I would, after they went back to school, I never heard any request to have me come. They all knew I was there because I'm the only white person in the whole village. Sure. And I'd been there. This was my second time. Um, and I waited and I waited and I'd been there almost a week and I still haven't been invited to bring the books. So I decided I was going to start handing them around, handing them out. 
So I took a case of the books and went around to the kids in the village and started just giving them books. And a lot of them were in English, but a lot of them were in English and Nepali side by side. And they were geared towards the young ones. And I handed those books out to the children on the streets or in the, and they were ecstatic. It would have been better than chocolate. A lot of them, I don't know if ever held a book in their hands before. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the truth. A lot of, a lot of these people in need have never owned a book. That's a luxury. They're just trying to survive each and every day. Right. So books are, are definitely out of the ordinary. And I found Bibles, Bibles that were in Nepali and one that was English in Nepali. And I was able to hand those out to whoever wanted them, whoever wanted them. I let them know that I have them. And I had other Christian coloring books. And everybody was very, well, I shouldn't say everybody. Uh, many people were very interested to learn about Jesus Christ. Yes, yes. So now is that school going to reopen? Yes, I handed the books. I finally went up there on a Friday and I'd been there almost a week. And I said, this is, I need to get these books to, you know, to the school. And so I said, come on. I grabbed my daughter and the, the gentleman from the, uh, my unbeliever over here, they didn't think the school would be open. I said, we're going to bring these books over. I'm not waiting to be invited. So we each carried um, a couple boxes of books and we showed up and unbeknownst to me, it happened to be a day when all of the school officials were there. Wow. The, um, there was like eight different people that were outside of the district that were there because they were having some special immunization day. For some reason, all of these officials were there, and I just showed up unannounced, walked in with a bunch of books. <laughs> and I sat them down. They invited us in. They, I sat them down, and they started opening them up, not what quite quite sure what to expect but i had encyclopedias i had dictionaries and tons and tons of books for for um the kids for school and they um were just so impressed and so um, amazed that i did this they said we're going to have a, a little assembly for you so i went back and got the rest of the books because there were still two more boxes i wasn't sure if i was going to bring so i brought everything back up there and they ended up having an assembly, and they called this an American program. They didn't have a word for library. They said, this Miss Cindy here has brought us an American program of books. Wow. Yes. So I only prayed, I asked in front of everybody, promise me these books stay here in this village. Good. I, to each one, I looked them in the eye and said, I want these books here, and I want them in the classrooms. I have not had confirmation that it happens, but I just pray that it did. Amen. I'll tell you what. Is there another story you want to uh, tell us that's memorable in your mind uh, before I ask you some other questions? Yes. Go ahead. When I was going to leave Boise to go back to Seattle during this incredibly difficult time in my life. I attended a church meeting where there was a traveling prophet, and this prophet prophesied over me many things, but the one thing that stood out, he said, you are going to be the healer of broken hearts. And I remember thinking, okay, cool, okay. Well, I got back to Seattle, and um, I became everybody's taxi driver. And I started taking my dad, who had just had a recent major heart attack, to his doctor's appointment. 
as well as an aunt who'd had heart defibrillation. There's three different people in my family I started driving to the doctor because of heart-related issues. Wow. So my dad was one of them. He got to the place where his heart was at 9% and was supposed to die, and the doctor said, go home and get ready to die. My dad um, wasn't ready to, and I'd prayed for him many times, but this time he said, Cindy, I'm going to pray, and I want you to listen, make sure I do it okay. (laughs) And he just prayed to God to heal him, and he got a call that another doctor would take his case. He went in the next week, had the surgery. Well, that's been five years ago, and my dad's 81 years old now. Wow. And you know what the doctor said? It was a miracle. Your heart healed itself. Wow. It went from an eight up to a, up to a high enough point, well, I'm not sure what these mean, for the doctor to um, operate. And I just, okay. So then my aunt, here's my aunt, and she's 81 now as well, and this was about five years ago with both of them, five, six years ago. And I was taking her to her doctor's appointments because she was having heart defibrillations. Her heart was skipping a beat. And she was having to go in and have like these shock treatments to get her heart back on on track. And I took her once and I always pray for everybody. She knows that. But this time I said, okay, I'm going to minister to you. This is our second trip to the doctor. And she goes, oh, what are you going to say, Cindy? You can tell tell me to say some affirmations. Now, these people aren't Christians. Yes. Okay, so remember that. All right. Yeah. And yeah, you're in that one line that weren't okay, yes, wasn't yes, a Christian. Yes, right, right, right. So Everybody else I'm the only Christian were. in my family. Basically. And, yeah, I mean, that's and, um, endeavoring to stand on the word of God Amen. and teach it. Okay. And, and serving God. And serving and God. being a missionary. So my aunt says, what are you going to do? Have me say some affirmations. And I said, yes. And this was straight from the Lord because I never would have said this. Say, I love my body. What? Say, I love my body. No. She started to cry. She was, I've never said that in my life. Wow. She said it. She went in and they told her they didn't need to do the procedure. Her heart had healed itself. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, these people need to really understand, hey, that's the Lord. That's a miracle. Absolutely. And now you need to give your life to him as Lord and Savior. The third one was a friend of mine, and he had had another major stroke. He wasn't supposed to make it. And when I got to Seattle, um, he wasn't driving. He was still very, very incapacitated, if that's the right word. His speech was slow. He was scared all the time. This is somebody that I grew up with, a very strong man, you know, a friend of the family. And I took him to the doctor one time, and on the second time, again, it seems like the second time for both of them, um, we prayed and he went in and the doctor said, your heart has just healed itself and you don't need to come back now for a year. Praise the Lord. And I'd been t- he was having to go like once a week, then it was once a month. And now all of a sudden your heart has gotten so, uh, and they all three said, the doctor said the same thing to all three of them. Your heart has healed itself. You know, that prophecy, ladies and gentlemen, prophecy is true. It's real. Uh, you will be a healer of broken hearts. And this this is turning off, turning out uh, to be literal, real hearts, yes, and spiritual, yes, and spiritual, healing broken hearts all over the world. So, Cindy, what's next? I'm waiting on the Lord, but I plan to go and teach and to serve, and here am I. I'm not sure where it'll be. I'm 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 thinking Kenya, but. I know that I'm not making any decisions this time. I've tend to be impulsive in the past. (laughs) So my my last question was, will you go back? Yes. Yes. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. 
Uh, you've been listening to the Warning Radio Program. Uh, Cindy Tuber. Again, the connection is my grandma, Letta Hansen, originally was a Tuber. Her father, Reverend A.C. Tuber. Wonderful man of God, moved in the Holy Spirit, uh, saw God do great things in the Holy Spirit in Seattle, and uh, he was a congregational minister. So, ladies and gentlemen, God can use anybody. God can use you. And uh, don't ever forget that. It doesn't matter about our past or what he wants to know is now. Where are you now with him? And can I use you in the future? Again, you're listening to the Warning Radio Program. And uh, we'll see where Cindy serves God next. Is this, I'm sure there'll be other times we're on the air together. Thank you. Um, her and my wife have talked. My wife uh, is doing the Dorcas Fun for widows and orphans. And who knows if they'll be used together in some of these countries. So uh, if you want to send in a donation, just mark it. And you can put Cindy, you could put the Dorcas Fun and... Uh, Let's see what happens as we serve God to help people all over the world that are less fortunate than you and I. May God richly bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.